Hello and welcome to the super colorful original telecommunicated transmission, otherwise known as Scottcast. Today I've got, of course, fan favorite Ian Dixon, and we are here to discuss the darkest pits in everybody's uh, heart. <laughs> fear. That's right. Yes. We're here all about fear. We're here. We're fear. Deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I couldn't record this episode yesterday. We originally had it scheduled yesterday to record, but uh, at the last second I realized I left my hat at Sabelle's house. Yeah. And I cannot podcast without my hat. It's got magical qualities to it. Every single podcast we've had in this podcast, every single episode we've recorded, I was wearing this hat. People don't understand the power of having an affectation like this, like mm-hmm. a symbol. It's it truly puts you in a different state of mind. It really does. And so when I came to, when it came time to pod, and I realized I didn't have my hat, absolutely nothing in my mind was coming together to the point where we could pod. It was just it was like taking that foundational brick and just and, and just uh, Jenga pulling it out. Yeah. And watching it helps you fall. hold all the the pod magic in your brain. This is where all the pod magic happens. It just escapes out the top if you don't have it on. That's right. That's why I guard this hat with my life. It's not the best looking hat. It's got all sorts of it's got all sorts of bite marks on it. Uh, <laughs> rust, I believe, is tetanus. Uh, I wash it once in a while. Yeah. So that's good. But besides that, it's it's purely a magical hat. You know, like uh, MacArthur had. Uh, his glasses and a pipe, right? Uh, the po- Bonaparte, Napoleon, he had mm. a hat. Yeah. Um, what else did people have? Uh, <laughs> Washington had a wig. And wooden teeth. Yeah, and Lincoln had a, he had a hat. He did. Yeah, the great emancipator. Abraham Lincoln had a big, tall stovepipe hat, and no one ever called him too fearful uh, when he was leading the Civil War, leading our nation to unity once more. There you go. So sometimes fear is a good thing. Sometimes fear drives you towards what your what what your goal is, and that's why I thought, hey, we should make this the topic of an entire podcast because it's such a potent topic, mm-hmm. and it's the kind of topic that really people are afraid to talk about naturally <laughs> because it's fear. Yeah. So we're recording all about fear today. Every single topic is going to come back to fear, and that's kind of. I'm, I'm trying to keep, keep a keep this podcast ship intact. I want people to listen to this podcast and know what's going on. Mm-hmm. I want them to I want them to feel like a unity within the episode because we had a really good episode a few episodes back, Hamtramck Avengers, and one of the best parts about that episode was that we potted completely without interruption. We just talked, and I literally just threw up the conversation. Uh, all over my keyboard and onto the internet. You vomited onto your keyboard. Yep, and and, and, it, and, it, and it came out gold. Okay, power of the hat, power of fear. So today we're talking all about fear, and let me tell you, I'm going to start off with my fear of stagnation. Mm-hmm. I came back from a trip when I went to Caseville just a few weeks ago. I walked into my house, and all I saw in every corner was stagnation. <laughs> All I saw was stuff packed to the gills, uh, just uh, everywhere, trash everywhere, mm-hmm. flies everywhere, including the one right now. Yeah. 
And I decided, damn it, ScottCast headquarters needs better. We need to move. And, by God, this will be probably our last podcast in the original ScottCast headquarters. How does that feel, Ian? That's kind of tough. Change is hard. It's like uh, fear of the unknown. Fear of the unknown. Even if it's a good change, it's like kind of sad to move on. You know what I'm saying? I, I know what you're saying. I know what you're laying down. Yeah. You know, I guess for me, though, my fear of stagnation has outgrown my fear of change and the unknown. Okay. I like to catapult myself into the unknown and see what happens. So you have competing fears and stagnation is uh, the overwhelming fear. That's right. Stagnation is the fear that I, I decide to slay first. <laughs> All right. Because stagnation is an ugly bitch. <laughs> it's disgusting. It's uncomfortable. And I don't like to be disgusting and uncomfortable. Like right now, I feel disgusting and uncomfortable because of the weather in Michigan these days. Yeah. Always hot and humid. Like, the summers are no longer pleasant in Michigan. It's true. We really need our uh, our mole society to take root, so to say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would love I would love a mole society of temperature controlled living mm-hmm. uh, and fluorescent lighting throughout. And really, once you get a hang of digging holes, um, basically the real estate that's available for people to live in is going to like quadruple, quintuple. Mm-hmm. Because once once digging a hole out and building a house and building a tunnel home with for your tunnel family uh, is 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 down to like a contractor job. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be. There's not. There's going to be so much less demand. Uh, so much. That's so much more supply. I should say for the meat competing demands. Yeah. Of housing, because we're going to be able to go underground, live in little mole societies. And if hey, I like that spot. Uh, why do you have that spot? I want that spot. What are you going to do? Dig under them, <laughs> or above them. It's a very small change. It's like it's just a little uh, tunnel tunnel elevator up to up to where you want to be like say you wanted to be close to uh your favorite coffee shop yeah right so you build your little tunnel home by your favorite coffee shop and there's 3d space to deal with now there's that whole new z axis that previously we barely had anything to do remember back in the 30s during that skyscraper boom Mm-hmm. You know, weren't you there? <laughs> I remember it well. Yeah. Everyone was amazed that you could, that this one plot of land could have 80, 100,000 floors of space. And it's that ad nauseum now that we, now that we're building a tunnel society. Yeah. Well, I mean, at some point it gets uh, a little rocky. Problems with air and whatnot. <laughs> Gotta have a pet canary to see if you're going to die soon. That's a good call. That's a good call. <laughs> Pet canaries and little rivers of algae throughout all the halls. Yeah. You know? Because algae can... I, I hear that's what they do in the space station, is they have, like, a little little bucket of algae to replenish their air supply. Mm. You know? Carbon dioxide, dioxygen, that kind of stuff. Can algae thrive underground? Uh, I mean, with light, and we know how to make light. Yeah. We know how to make artificial light. So, I think we have all the... I, th- I honestly think we have all the all the fucking science we need mm. to do this. It's just that people are so against becoming underground mole people. <laughs> I don't know why. It's that fear of change. It's that fear of change. People don't want to be mole people. They 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 think oh lawns they're so great, but you know what? Lawns aren't great either. No, lawns are terrible. It's it's a 
bad ecosystem and it's a lot of work yeah and it doesn't even look that good let's be honest it's just it's just it's sure green is nice and pretty Mm -hmm. everyone loves green it's the color of money everyone loves money but a lawn it what does it do like let's name it sins it kills off the ground pee bee ground bee population in it does it do that i have no idea it does something with bees and like uh, if you like bees you shouldn't like lawns kind of deal because it's because it's hip and trendy these days well, to we're be not gonna have bees. bees for very long either that's what well, yeah <laughs> so like and why because we have lawns instead of tunnel societies if, if yeah. humanity would just go underground and let nature thrive atop the crust surely uh it would bounce back because nature's that's the that's kind of nature's thing it finds a it finds a way <laughs> thanks for that you're welcome. <laughs> we needed to get that. Got our Jurassic Park reference in already. That's right. You went to Toronto and you got me a gold bloom gift. I did because I was watching your cats. Yeah. So uh, I, it was the greatest gift I've probably ever received for someone's trip out, <laughs> and it's and it doubles as a housewarming gift. Exactly. Uh, he got me. What was it? it those it's candles. Like, it's uh, like a Catholic thing. I don't isn't know it? Which, if you call them votive candles, but they sell them all over the place around here because we love that pope john paul uh polox around here mm-hmm. um but yeah you can get like different saints you get the the marys you get the i think there's jesus candles but it's like a like a religious icon drawing on yeah. the candle and like on the glass outside it's of like it. a tall glass candle it's a tall boy candle yep with uh and you got pope pope goldblum for yours i like that it's yeah it's it's jeff goldblum uh with a salt and pepper beard, uh, looking, you know, concerned about the science behind things, looking thoughtful <laughs> and uh, serious, in a, in a pope costume. It's, it's probably I'm so excited to move to my new place just to install this. And like you're fearing of change, but mm-hmm. admit it. Once you go into the new Scottcast headquarters and you see that beautiful Pope Goldblum uh, votive candle, I think it's going to be good. I'm going to feel good about it when it happens. Yeah, me too. I, I, I'm so excited. It's going to be great. You went to Toronto. You mm-hmm. saw all sorts of dinosaurs. You saw, notably, a place called Sneaky D's. Yeah. Uh, David texted mm-hmm. after I sent him that picture, and and he was like, oh, shit, you found it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what was it? What, 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 what is in Sneaky D's? Did you go in? We didn't go in. We drove by. It's, didn't even uh, say hi. it's like a Tex Mex restaurant. Really? In Toronto? Yeah. I don't know. Tex Mex called Sneaky D's? Yeah, yeah. What's sneaky about it? I have no idea. Huh. I bet it's a front for something. Probably. Because why else would it be a sneaky thing? Sneaky D's, like, bootlegging front. But, like, Canada's pretty well legal with, it, with all the drugs and stuff now. Yeah. So, what are they sneaking? I don't know. We'll have to ask David. You went and saw a bunch of dinosaurs. You saw the Tyrannosaurus Rex. We did. Possibly. We went to the, uh, well, what was it called? Ontario something museum? Royal Ontario. Royal museum. Ontario Museum. That's right. The ROM. The ROM. <laughs> it's the ROMCOM with Ian and dinosaurs. Yeah, and it was good times. They had uh, they actually had like um, the land sloth skeleton <gasps> they had that it yes. was missing at it was missing at uh the what's the fuck called uh the chicago field museum mm-hmm. i was looking everywhere for the giant land sloth it was 
glorious. I thought it was a mammoth without the tusks. Right? The thing's enormous. Huge. And it's just a sloth. It would crush you. Right. <laughs> did you read about it? We did. Did you read about its contribution to avocados? We did not. Uh, I don't I don't recall that being part of the, the exhibit. But oh, that I've got been, some news for you then. I've heard tell that they... Uh, they're responsible for us having avocados. Yeah, because they're the only creature lazy and big enough to eat an avocado pit and all, mm-hmm. and then travel, you know, ten feet, and uh, you know, <laughs> leave the it. seed. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, like, the reason why you're everyone's enjoying avocado toast, especially us millennials, mm-hmm. is because an avocado previously ate. Oh, <laughs> a landslide previously ate an avocado, and shout out. A seat for it. And, yeah. like, it was the only animal big enough to take that in. Thank God for that. Thank God for that. I was wondering where they did it. I guess this Royal Ontario Museum and the Field Museum must trade exhibits off every once yeah. in a while. So I remember seeing Sue at the Royal Ontario Museum myself when I was a, a wee lad. Mm-hmm. My dad put me on his shoulders, and there's a picture of me uh, with my head right next to the T-Rex head. It was pretty great. <laughs> so, yeah, they've got quite the collection of, uh, of dinosaurs. It's a good, good place to go. Dinosaurs are fearsome beings. They've, they're hyper-evolved creatures of, mm-hmm. uh, uh, of their environment. So, like, the carnivores are apex predators. Oh, like, even a shitty carnivore from dinosaur times, mm-hmm. put, it, put it in the mix with today's beasts. Yeah. And today's beasts have nothing on it. Absolutely. Uh, did, have you seen the Quetzalcoatlus? Yes. They had... Uh, I don't think it was a skeleton. It was like a, an impression kind of fossil. Okay. Um, they had a couple of like the, the feathered dinosaurs that were pretty sweet. Okay. The Quetzalcoatlus was not feathered. Quetzalcoatlus. They might have had a skeleton of that like hanging up. You would, you would know it if you saw it. There was a lot of dinosaurs. Okay. (laughs) It is the world's largest flying creature known to exist. And it was like 30 30 feet tall, some odd. I I don't know the exact number for that. 550 pounds, though. Yeah. And it could, yeah, it could fly down, scoop up a Arnold Schwarzenegger type human, and fly off and eat it as a snack Mm -hmm. on its way to eat something real. (laughs) (laughs) I think we, I want to say they might have had one, um kind of hanging from the ceiling when you go up the stairs to enter the, the dinosaur area. Bronwyn has all the pictures. I'll have to double-check with her. Okay, okay. I'd like to take a look at that picture because Quetzalcoatlus, probably more than any other prehistoric creature, it's not a dinosaur technically, it's mm-hmm. a pterodact, ter- pteranodon kind of creature. Pterosaur is mm-hmm. what they call them. Uh, pterosaur, <laughs> right? That's what they... I can't believe there's no B-movies about pterosaurs. They call it the pterosaur, because they, they, everyone always wants to connect pterosaurs with dinosaurs, but they're right. missing a total pun opportunity for B-movies, pterosaur invasion. Where it's We've got to start capitalizing on all these movie ideas we have. We really do. We need to start a Scott Cast Fear Studio. We've got Terrorsaur. Terrorsaur. We've got Hamtramck Avengers. The Hamtramck Avengers. Fine. Like, time for us to cash in. <laughs> it is time for us to cash in. Like, like for one, I believe that uh, the previous idea we had, mm-hmm. while cool in theory, is too difficult to actually make happen. Because the idea was, for every episode, 
we publish, we're going to have like a T-shirt, right? And like that's a, and like it was a great idea at the time because totally in every episode there's some frame where we can be like, oh, let's make a visual out of that. And yeah, but. Uh, we are, Turns out we're lazy. Yeah. <laughs> we are not the artistic powerhouse that we thought we were. <laughs> so we so we have to pivot. We have to change. I have a mm-hmm. fear of this store not working. I have a fear of Scott Cast continuing to bleed money. You know because you know it's, it costs money to put this pot on. Yeah. I know it doesn't seem like it does. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, between uh between hosting fees and mm-hmm. uh, and, and uh, you know lubricating the guests yeah. with uh, with beer, uh, it, it's 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 a couple bucks a month, and so we need to find a way. Like the business guy in me is like, okay, uh, we got this thing. We're providing value to people. They're getting it free. But how do we how do we make it so that we can sustain this indefinitely? How right. how can we make it so that's just by this by the sweat of our brow this thing continues? And the way you do that. Is by breaking even, <laughs> and so we have a few different ideas now for the Scottcast store. Okay, instead of pure T-shirts, everything, we're only going to do T-shirts that we're we have a good design inspiration to accomplish. Mm-hmm. David here, no, no, not David. David David has gotten a lot of ideas. Like my favorite idea of his is he's got a couple dictionary definitions of commute with a with a appropriate uh pronunciation yeah you know one a commute commute uh what how, how what are the two ones commute commute and commute commute which one's right commute okay <laughs> so he's got the right one at least with the in, in the midwest that's how we say it. i don't know yeah you no. could be correct i could be just... correct yeah what if I'm saying it like the like the way that everybody like say in England has been saying it that's for probably, a thousand years? That's probably right. England listeners, English listeners, uh, <laughs> write in to hotforscottcast at gmail dot com and write using American English. I don't understand all your extra U's and E's and bullshit. Okay, and write in and tell me if I'm saying commute right, and we'll settle this once and for all. Because I have a fear that I, everything I say is incorrect. Yeah, I've I have this great fear that. Why is that so scary? Well, because I'm saying a lot of shit, and I kind of hope it lands. <laughs> well, that means you have room for growth. If yeah. you're wrong, room for growth. Yeah. Well, I don't want to grow that way. <laughs> like I like I like I like I I love growth. I love being being a better person than I was yesterday. Yeah. But you know, I also don't want to be starting as like an amoeba in a ditch over here. I want to start like as a normal person. I want to grow into some superstar. I don't want to start as a bumbling fool who can't even speak English correctly <laughs> and then end up someone who can somewhat communicate a thought. That's not a road I want to go down. Like okay. People have this theory of personal development, mm. right? A lot of people like to focus on the shit they're bad at. They're like, oh, I'm really bad at this, so I better practice it and get better at that thing I'm bad at yeah. so that I'm not as bad person overall. Mm. But a lot of people are like... I forsake that idea. Fuck the stuff you're bad at. Find what you're good at and double down on it and get amazing well, at that. I think um, I think every flaw has a uh, like a converse strength related to it. Okay. So like give me something that someone might be bad at. Um let's let's go for me. Like cuz I want to I'm here to tackle my fears. Yeah. So what is something I'm bad at? Let's say I'm bad at pronouncing things. Okay. I'm bad at commute. <laughs> 
and various other things. I bet I bet we can have like a little compendium of words that I have not said correctly. Like yeah. I was recently made fun of by by I said a very serious thing, and I was I was trying to make a really like a like intelligent point about something, mm-hmm. and so I used the word facsimile, <laughs> <laughs> like facsimile. Yes. <laughs> Okay. Look at that word and written on paper and tell me it's not fast meal. <laughs> <laughs> well, is there any strengths for that? <laughs> um, Besides lightening the mood randomly without my <laughs> intent. Let's see, you picked a tough one. <laughs> well, I don't take myself so seriously. There you go. Which is good. It does lighten the mood. I was going to say you're you're thoughtful to the point where language does you a disservice. Oh, language is the one fucking up, not me. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you have these these grandiose ideas, and just uh, the the limits of our our language. That's kind of what's what's holding you back. So I mean, that's something you can grow on, but you have this. This thoughtfulness about you that's something to nurture and to to continue growing. You hear that? <laughs> I am thoughtful. But that's really what happens. It's like, it's like I'll be reading a book, and yeah. this, this is where I come across all these words, well, mm-hmm. except for commute. So you're well-read. Uh, yeah, you, just, you haven't heard these words being said, and so you're... That's right. Uh, you're also adventurous. I'm adventurous because I'm like, I'm going to throw this out, <laughs> see if this works. <laughs> So there's okay. all, all sorts of strengths related to that. So that's a good way to face your fear. Yeah. You know, like if you're, if you fear debilitation. Look at, look at the converse strengths that are, uh, that are going on. And then dig into that. Yeah. Like, okay, well, I'm going to be, I'm, look, I'm a podcaster who doesn't know how to talk Because if you were just so focused on mispronouncing things, you would stop talking. You'd be like me. <laughs> Is that what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe. I mean, uh. I was, uh, when I was young, I had a lot of, like, inner ear infections. Okay. So some of my pronunciations didn't come around. My R's were, like, W's. I had a speech therapist when I was a kid. Yeah. I didn't know what it was. I thought I just got an excuse to get out of class in elementary school, and then, like, they take me to this room, <laughs> and then all I have to do is say the most easy shit. Yeah, you just play games. Up. Yeah. Play word games. It was fun. Yeah. And, like... And, like, they gave me, like, props for saying a word, and I was just like, yeah, that's what I've been saying this whole time, you idiot. Then <laughs> no, it was speech therapy. <laughs> yeah, so I, I had that kind of going on, and I guess maybe I was I was self-conscious about that, and I just stopped talking You should have had my teacher, yeah. who I didn't even know I was being speech therapied. <laughs> <laughs> what is it called when you're, when you're getting therapied? Like, it's not therapied, right? Not like like centipede. It's not like therapy. No. Like you, I'm getting my therapy done. Like the act of being being in therapy? undergoing therapy. Yeah. What's that? What's that? What's the verb of that? What's the past tense of that? Or the applied verb? I don't know if there is one. Huh. Getting th- getting therapied. Doing therapy. Going to therapy. I don't know. Undergoing therapy. Guys, therapy is just not a. It's an yeah. Maybe it's, that's a, a constraint a, of our language. Fuck English. <laughs> English is the one with the problem, not us. Yeah. I mean, you think about, like, Inuits have, like, 30 words for snow. Right. It's just fucking snow here. Yeah, because we're more efficient than Inuits. <laughs> but We're over here inventing cars, inventing I mean, light, inventing the internet. It's important to know in, in certain contexts. 
like different kinds of well we have we do have different kinds of words for snow but they're not like word words right like we like we'll call it slush right when it's that shitty uh wet uh fucked up snow yeah. that that makes you hate winter right and we'll call it powder when you're when when it's you're like fresh and kind of dry someone's real cold fresh dry yeah. picturesque yeah uh we'll, we'll call it ice <laughs> and slippery. Uh, so yeah, there's we have constraints on our language, and that's I mean, pronunciation is kind of a different thing, but uh, it's living language, right? Pronunciation yeah. is just what we all, we've all agreed. Right. It's just a fast meal of what of what thought <laughs> actually is. <laughs> At least you're using them correctly. Yeah. <laughs> And that should be a point. That Context should be a point. is important too. Yeah. So, like, uh, like I, that's the thing. That 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 is true. That's how I should relinquish this fear of mispronunciating things. Uh, when when I mispronunciate something, and people are still like on board with my conversation, mm-hmm. and know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, You're still communicating. I'm communicating. And my thoughts are getting across, so, like, what if I'm mispronouncing things? What if I'm speaking in tongues over here? Yeah. Like, I do agree with your political opinion, kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So, you yeah, I fear that a lot. I fear I fear uh, people not understanding what I'm saying. You know it would be great if, uh, maybe this is an experiment we should try, if we could, like, communicate through scatting a little bit scatting what was that though i don't know oh so but you're gonna have to say something it's something we're gonna have to practice right like but if we could just start start scatting and like we know what we're talking about that'd be great okay it? yeah it would like how about this for this episode at least for the experiment yeah i will hold back this scott let's think about how a word's pronounced guy mm-hmm. yeah and and I'll just I'll just start throwing stuff out like willy nilly like I'm just talking just to, just throwing the speech out and you will be all hey fuck this guy or like hey this guy's I know what you're saying or like you know what my thoughts are like this blah 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 mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying yeah all right we're gonna give that a shot I actually do that sometimes with uh, some of my kiddos who have anxiety is we'll uh, we'll make mistakes on purpose. Okay. And just, like, practice that and, like, what was that like? Uh, it wasn't a big deal. Oh, well. That's true. Yeah. Because, like, if you're making, if, if everyone's making mistakes so maybe on we purpose. Maybe we could practice mispronouncing things. Mispronouncing things. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. Who, who's the idiot now? <laughs> you can't tell. So, okay. Now that we've gotten me feeling good about how I, how I make the noises. I got. I got. We were talking uh, about t-shirts. We were talking about t-shirts, and we were talking about how we got a lot of different merch ideas coming down the pike. Uh, things I'm not going to announce quite yet mm-hmm. because I because I'd like to have them available as soon as as soon as I talk about them. Yeah, and then we can go on about them because I got some really great ideas, some podcast merch ideas that are not only going to blow you away, Master Charles specifically, <laughs> but. They're gonna break ground in what in what a podcast can actually do. What they could provide the kind of value mm-hmm. that a podcast gives people. Because I've been looking at podcasts through like a fucking microscope yeah. lately. I've been trying to figure out 
Why do people love podcasts? What gets them into a podcast? What gets them excited about a podcast? How can we take this information and infuse it into ScottCast to create uh, a world of our own where all we have to do is bullshit on Mike for an hour or so a week mm-hmm. and then and then, and then we're and then we're and then we're dominating the media and everyone's asking our opinions on how life should be and then we're actually getting these tunnels built and we're actually getting people to come down live with us and we're saving humanity one person at a time because we've built this great underground bull society so I've been wondering how we could do that. And so I've been studying the merch ideas. Yeah. And we've got some ideas coming up the pike. Ian's got his red book of designs. He's showing, He's been flipping them through. Like, I'm telling you, this guy looks like... It looks like a scene under the Da Vinci Code. The way he's got diagrams and, like, intricate math and, and I'm things. so excited about the Hamtramck Avengers design. Oh, it is a fantastic design. <laughs> it, is, it is possibly one of the greatest things to come out of ScottCast in general. So we've got all these beautiful designs and the Hamtramck Avengers one especially. Like, by the time this episode comes out, it might be out, but you know, yeah. check the ScottCast's website, see if, see if the ScottCast shop is up. Once it's up, you'll be able to peruse and do things. And I've had an idea uh, well, since I'm cutting stuff out right now. Anyway, uh, I had an idea that for our ScottCast merch, mm-hmm. everything we buy, or everything we produce, let's say we have T-shirts, posters, and uh, and a special item. Okay. Like, if someone buys a T-shirt, they get a special bonus pod about us talking about T-shirts and talking about the social implication of T-shirts and why people wear T-shirts. Something real interesting about T-shirts. We'll, okay. I, we'll figure out how to make T-shirts <laughs> interesting. <laughs> All right. And and but it'll be a special bonus pod just for people who've purchased a T-shirt and supported Scott Cash through T-shirt purchasing. Okay, and then we'll have other ones like for every other product we have. So and, and like I'm talking weird esoteric products, like product like flashlights. That, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and here is the history behind flashlights. <laughs> I'll, I'll say this. I don't think we've announced it on Scott Cash yet, but I actually did secure a flashlight sponsorship. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, I've just been reticent to pull the trigger on it. Eh, why not? You know, I don't, I, I haven't set up the link yet, but it would be something like fleshlight.com forward slash Scottcast. <laughs> and it's just a weird thing to promote. Yeah. Like, well, like, hey, hey, jerk off on us, fleshlight. <laughs> every time you jerk off, you better be thinking of me. <laughs> you know, you know, like, and what are they buying? Because like. The, the thing about those flashlights, if you don't know what a flashlight is, I'm just going to be real brief about its description because this is a family podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's it's a device that simulates an orifice. That's all I'm going to say. And, and then they have a selection of the kinds of Orify. I didn't know that. They do. I looked it up. Oh. <laughs> I tested a few. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> never tested. Never, never had one. Uh, but... They've got uh, they've got both bottom stairs entrances, okay, and they've got one upstairs entrance. Yeah, that you can probably guess. You know, we got to keep this good for the 
good for families to play in their in the mm. family room because like i imagine a lot of people listen to scott cast like uh like like they used to listen to old-timey radio shows back in the day they all like, gather around and all gather around the mom's knitting get the kids together the dad's got his pipe and his thing in, <laughs> and their kids are all looking at the radio like waiting for the secret code <laughs> where do we get that audible trial.com forward slash scott cast membership scott <laughs> Well, all you have to do is open up that old Tommy internet browser and type in www.audibletrial.com forward slash scottcast and you will receive one free book of any value you can imagine. These are $100 books, people. $100 audio free books. books. Free books. <laughs> free books. <laughs> free audio books. You, if you find Scottcast interesting, motherfucker, you're going to love these like seven, ten hour diatribes on whatever topic you want. For crying out loud. If you've been it this far in Scottcast and you haven't gotten yourself an audibletrial.com forward slash Scottcast membership with a fake credit card information <laughs> so you can give us money, even if you've already signed up for Audible, then what are you doing? You can cancel it later. You can cancel it. It won't cost you a dime, <laughs> and we will be rolling in dough. And Scottcast, the new Scottcast headquarters, let me tell you, it's not uh, cheap. It ain't cheap. It has a, it has functioning appliances in it. <laughs> you know, it's got a cabinet. Holy shit! And in the bathroom, guess what? It's got a functioning toilet. That <laughs> and shelving. Shelving. And, and the, the, the guy I bought it from, uh, he actually listened to Scott Cast. Oh, enjoyed Scott Cast. What up? So you know he's good people. Yeah. So, like, he, he the thing is decked out 10 out of 10, a great, like, little living situation with great cabinets, everything redone, new appliances. I mean, this is Scott Cast uh, to the next level. Like, once, we, once we're there, I imagine the sound is going to be better. Yeah. Like, it's Think gonna, of all the bugs we could cook. We could cook so many bugs. Like, we'll grab the bugs from here. <laughs> <laughs> We'll bag them up, and we'll bring them over to the Scott Cast kitchen. Yeah, and have a great time. Yeah, you know, there. I mean, I I, be, I would be down for cooking with Scott Cast segment, like a little YouTube series. Yeah, like a little ten minute series. Like Sabelle, a long time Scott Castigator, progenitor of the term Scott Castigator mm-hmm. itself. Uh, she is a wonderful cook. She's like a five star chef, like in her free time. Damn, like what she does. She's a photographer by trade. And so, just for extra scratch, she comes up with these five star frickin' meals. Mm-hmm. You know, takes a takes a snapshot of it, takes a little picture, right, mm-hmm. and sells it to Getty Images. Wow, isn't that cool? Yeah, that's a cool. I mean, like most people, when they take pictures of their food, they post it on their Instagram, and no one even likes it. Right. This person takes pictures of their food, and people are willing to buy it. Like, like oh, well, you got a picture, here's this. You got a picture, here's this. It's insane. How are you friends with so many talented people? I have no idea. <laughs> I, here's what you I'm doing. You must be an amazing man. I, I th- no, I think it's the opposite. A long time ago, <laughs> I learned, uh, I, I read somewhere, probably the internet, that if you want to be a better person, mm-hmm. you got to surround yourself with even better people. Yeah. Like if you, because you're like the the old folk saying goes, uh, the old folk saying goes, you're the average of the five closest people in your life. 
So what I've been doing, and a big reason why I'm as great as I am today, mm-hmm. is I surround myself with excellent conversationalists, thoughtful people, kind people, and, 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 and talented people. And hence, I'm like the greatest human there is. And everyone else gets, gets a bit of that buzz, too. So yeah. everyone else gets rose with me. A rose arises, ascends with the Scott. Yeah. And, and, and that's why I'm called colloquially around town, Scott the Great. Colloquially? Colloquially around town as Scott the Great. So I've been engaging, here's a fear of mine, I've been engaging in internet fights. Yeah. What's the fear part? The fear is I feel like I, feel like I have a fear of being wrong. Mm. And so, like, I see somebody with an opinion, I see somebody with an opinion that differs from mine. There's children playing outside. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> They're wrong, too. <laughs> They're ruining our cast. Ah, stupid kids. Background noise. God damn it. Go get a... Doesn't it, don't your parents know enough to get you a shovel? <laughs> like, if, I, if I'm not here and digging, then you're, you're, you're wasting your time as a child in this new society. It's true. But... I have a fear of being wrong about my... Uh, like, all of a sudden, I'm mm-hmm. garnering opinions about society. Yeah. I'm like, I'm seeing people in society. I'm not going to go on about them on Scott Cast because that's not what Scott Cast is about. Mm-hmm. It's not about lording over people. It's not? Well, <laughs> not in this way. Not today. <laughs> not today. <laughs> that's about fear today. <laughs> and uh, so... Like, I feel like I have a fear of being wrong, and when I see these people, and this is what they do, and I'm sure a lot of Scott Castigators, no matter what side of the political spectrum you're on, no matter what beliefs you hold, Mm -hmm. find this annoying. But they go on Facebook, and they find find a picture that someone else shared of someone else's conversation, Mm -hmm. and it's always like the same formula. Uh, Some guy says something, Mm -hmm. some guy responds, something snarky, Mm -hmm. right? And then another guy sends like eighteen paragraphs explaining why they their their shit, and then there's no so it's just and it's just a screenshot yeah and people just repost it like check out check out this verbal oh, evisceration this guy got owned this guy got owned and I'm agreeing with that person and uh, come at me bro <laughs> kind of attitude yeah and it annoys me because a uh, this is not your opinion this is something that you just read. And, and, and like attached yourself to B like you're not really open to actually discussing anything mm-hmm. because all you're doing is posting this person verbally eviscerating somebody yeah and you're not showing any of your own personal thoughts you're just reposting something you've saw before right and C <laughs> you're you, the idea is often oversimplified, mm-hmm. often negates crucial data within the thingy. Yeah. And, and, and it's just, just annoying. It's always an extreme opinion. Mm-hmm. So what I would do, what I've been doing, <laughs> I should say, <laughs> lately, for some reason I've, garnered, I've started getting opinions and I've started being, felt, feeling the need to express them is I go on and and I'm like, oh, you're not prepared for the verbal evisceration I'm about to give. And I get my paragraphs out. Yeah. And you know what it's like when I get paragraphs out. It's just paragraph upon paragraph upon paragraph. Right. And I I went on this guy. I'm not going to say what I said. 
I showed it to Sabelle, and she's been sweet, and mm-hmm. she said, "Hey, the only reason they didn't res- the only reason they didn't respond back to you is because you verbally eviscerated them, mm-hmm. and they and they have no leg to stand on now." Yeah. But I fear I'm being wrong. I'm fear like most of these people are just laughing behind their backs, laughing behind their keyboards, and it's like it's just not a good way to engage in conversation. So maybe. Didn't, didn't we come to this conclusion after episode 33? We did, and then I just <laughs> kept going at it. <laughs> Stop arguing on the internet. <laughs> that's it. That's, that's the big revelation. <laughs> just quit it. It's not worth it, and it's totally true. If you fear being wrong, arguing on the internet's not the place to go. Yeah. Because I mean, you may be right or wrong. It doesn't, doesn't really matter on the internet. You're probably both. Yeah, you know you're probably over. You're probably doing falling prey to the same exact shit that mm-hmm. you find annoying, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how I feel. I should be. I should. I need to like, and that's what. That's exactly what Sabel said too. Is like, what are you? What are you trying to prove here? Right. What are you trying to get out of this? Like, what is the best thing that could happen? You know, that's a good question to ask before you do anything. Yeah, <laughs> and I agree, because, like, in my mind, the best thing that could have possibly happened was something I've never seen happen on the internet before. <laughs> Someone admitting they were wrong. Yeah. And bowing down to the newfound authority mm-hmm. after four or five paragraphs <laughs> of hastily written <laughs> on a smartphone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, tippy taps about some esoteric uh, world's world problem. Yep. So, that's I, you're right. Everyone's right. I need to back off the internet. I have this fear of being wrong, but it only gets perpetuated on the internet. So there are things that there's fears that you should find a way to cope with mm-hmm. and move past, like like my fear of pronouncing things wrong. Yeah. And then there's fears that adopt coping mechanisms that are ultimately harmful, like going on the internet and lambasting people mm-hmm. who were formerly your friends. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, f- we have fear for a reason. It it, uh, it helped us survive, right? Yeah, if like you fear what's an, in the bush. From an evolutionary standpoint, if we're uh, hunter-gatherers and some big predator jumps out, it's mm-hmm. good to be afraid because then you're ready to fight or run. There's a reason why the Quetzalcoatlus inspires fear, even amongst yeah. even amongst the rabblement. Exactly, because if you see a Quetzalcoatlus, you better get the fuck out of there, or like have a club ready to beat it to death. Oh, you need more than a club for that motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you need like a club of a, a club of rocket launchers. But at some point, yeah, uh, our fears can can overtake us, and they can make us. Uh, what's the word I want? I'm not good at finding words when I need them. It, it makes well just just start saying random <laughs> words, random sounds. Beepity bop bop. Yeah, uh, it just makes us beepity bop bop all yeah. the way home. That's right. Everyone knows what you're saying. Exactly. Like I feel like when I'm beepity bop bop all the way home, like what's going on is uh, I, I I I confront this fear mm-hmm. uh, that that I'm coping against. Like like let's say these internet fight people. Yeah. These people who are who are just starting shit on the internet because I don't know they got nothing else better to do, mm-hmm. or they or they just or they just like their memes. They just like posting their pictures, you know. And they thought it was they thought it was clever. 
yeah. and they want to be look clever themselves. And when I engage in this fear, and, and it just leads to embarrassment, and just leads to more stoking the fear harder, which just becomes like a cycle of a cycle of fear, and 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 it's it's like pouring salt on a wound to make it heal. Yeah, I mean that's one of the problems with when when coping mechanisms become uh, like self reinforcing. So like most. Most of the time with anxiety, you see a lot of avoidance. I don't want to talk about that because that makes me uncomfortable. And when they I avoid thought you it, were talking about avoidance when you said that. <laughs> <laughs> well, when people avoid things, it feels good because they don't have to deal with that thing. Okay. So that that's like a reinforcer right away. Mm. So, I mean, the more you do that, the more apt you are to do that in the future. But at some point, that becomes problematic because then you don't pay your bills or you... Don't go out of the house. <laughs> I'm over here sorting through my mail. <laughs> <laughs> you build a robot to answer your door. Yeah. <laughs> All those kind of things. I remember you were drinking once. I think this is maybe a week or two after the Sun Ra revelation that we all needed to build yeah. uh, tunnels. No, your revelation was that everyone who was white was going to die or yeah. something along those lines. Well, uh, yeah, I'm so oversimplifying. Go to episode 24, <laughs> Shuffle That's Your Gift, <laughs> if you haven't yet, and check that out. But um, you were saying that, you know, sometimes your coping mechanism is infinitely easier than dealing with the, the problem, total abyss yeah. of your psychic reality. Yep. So sometimes it's good to have a coping mechanism, like go to be Bob Jadapot Talk. Well... Depends on the coping mechanism. It, de- it depends on the situation, I think. Okay. Because, yeah, for some people, uh, avoidance works if it's not something that's going to, like, come back up. But, yeah, it, it depends what the fear is. If you're avoidant of spiders, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Cause how often do you run into spiders? I mean, there's one in your house every now and then. I don't know. I find I run into a spider every day. Yeah? Yeah. And people say I have arachnophobia. But I don't believe them. I just run away. I mean, part of that's your uh, your natural biological response in keeping you safe from yeah, spiders. Why would I want to touch spiders? Why would I want a spider crawling on me? That's not saying that that's something you need to want. It's just like if there's a spider in your house, are you gonna like sleep outside? Like how how badly is that impairing you? That no, fear. It doesn't make me sleep outside. It so, it, it just makes me. You just burn it with fire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like well, as long as you don't burn your house down, if that's what's working for you, that's you know those, fine. You know those little spritzers that you know people use to spray plants with water yeah. or stuff like that. I got one that's filled with ninety nine percent isopropyl alcohol. Okay. And a Zippo. Yeah. And I just go at the spiders. As long as you flame. don't burn your house down, if that's like something that you're really adept at, and you can like. Just like, snipe it with fire. Yeah, snipe it with fire. <laughs> <laughs> that's not bad. That's uh, I, I mean, that's not avoided either. That's proactive. Yeah, you're you're uh, facing your fears by attacking the spider, <laughs> destroying the fear. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's maybe less uh, less dangerous ways to do that, but yeah, if you, if you're uh, if it's not impairing your life in some way, then it's not a phobia. Okay. Okay, so so the phobia, the crux of it is really how it's much about how it's impairing your functioning. Okay, I heard this guy on the pod, on some other podcast. I'm not going to mention the other podcast because if you're listening to this podcast, you found the podcast you need. But 
I was listening to it because I need a podcast, and if mm-hmm. I listen to myself all the time, it's just going to create an echo chamber, right? And I'm just going to talk about Jeff Goldblum for 100 episodes, mm-hmm. which isn't that bad. Yeah, you know. But if I, what was it going on? Listening to a podcast. Yes, I was listening to a podcast about anxiety, mm-hmm. and I had a great point. <laughs> <laughs> oh nope. Nope. Oh, I was listening to a, a podcast on anxiety. Yeah. And the point of it was, well, not the point of it, but the guy said that he could cure any phobia mm-hmm. with his therapy. Okay. And his therapy was... Uh, he for major phobias, mm-hmm. he just exposed you to the phobia for six hours straight. Okay. Like fear heights, he just dangled you off a building for six hours. Yeah, which seems a little silly. Well, that's is that his only option? Well, he's got more advanced treatments for like like other things and stuff like that. Okay. But but his phobia treatment, his big picture phobia treatment, is like you can cure phobia in six hours through exposure therapy. Like if you're afraid of dogs, yeah. If you just hang out with the dog for six hours, that's called flooding. Okay, that can be effective sometimes, but I wouldn't make that a blanket treatment. I was about to use it as a blanket treatment in my life. (laughs) (laughs) No, that can also traumatize you. Because I was afraid of stagnating, so I decided to move to a completely different place. Uh, Exposure is an effective treatment for anxiety. Typically, we recommend gradual exposure, not flooding. Okay. So like it depends how severe the the phobia is. Okay, so like for me, it would be like dancing with a spider. I mean, for you, it doesn't sound like spiders are really fucking your life up. No, because I got the flamethrower. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure if you were in a room with some spiders for six hours, you would feel okay. But if you were at a point where like you sprayed your entire apartment with isopropyl alcohol every day and, and then blazed it. <laughs> <laughs> and, that, Fuck you, that was, that, and you wouldn't leave the house because there might be spiders outside, then flooding would not be a good idea for you. I thought that would be, like, the best idea. No. Like, yeah, get them in a tank with spiders. Like, let them become Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> Gradual exposure would be better for that. Okay. Get a pet tarantula kind of thing. Well, you, you'd start small. It would be, like, whatever... At whatever point you start to feel uncomfortable, that's where you start. So if, like, seeing a picture of a spider fucks you up, mm-hmm. you look at pictures of spiders for a while. I, I, I was listening to that. It's somewhat similar. Like, there's these people, like, you know those intensely obese thousand-pound people mm-hmm. uh, who can't make it out of their bed? Yeah. Like, a doctor will come in, and they'll tell them, you've got to exercise. If you don't exercise, you'll die. You'll, you, won't, you won't do it. Mm-hmm. And they're like, I can't even get out of bed. How can I exercise? And they're like, look how fat you are. Just lift your arms up. Like, like, you're, like yeah. you're flapping wings. You gotta, and that will be 100 pounds worth of exercise. You've got to do, do it, it one step at a time. You can't just, yeah. You've got to meet, meet the person at their limits. And if the limit is very low, then you don't... Put him in a room with a bunch of fucking spiders. <laughs> <laughs> you don't make the fat man run a marathon. No. I like that. 
I like I like I need to find a way to identify my limits better because I'm the kind of guy uh like I I recognize a limit of mine. Yeah. Like like particularly with physical exercise stuff like that mm-hmm. and I view it as a weakness and I view it as something not to do. So mm-hmm. so like I'll never go at it by the limit. Like I've already told the story on Scott Cast of coach of of the coach who uh ran me around, right? Yeah. My limit was clearly <laughs> nothing to do with anything in a track. <laughs> there was no track event that would that was appropriate limit for me. Yeah. Everything was beyond my limits, mm-hmm. but I was still in those. I was still in those intramural sports or whatever the hell. The intramural. I don't. What do they call it when you compete with schools? That thing. Intra, I, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So I was still in those sports programs and. And I was just way beyond my limit, so mm-hmm. I coped with that by avoiding practice, avoiding doing anything, avoiding mm-hmm. being around it, uh, like stuff like that. Luckily, I got injured, <laughs> 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 and I was able to skip like a couple months straight, and that was amazing. Yeah, I, I, all I did was uh, show up after work in my sweats, or not after work, after school in my sweats. And uh, walk around with the other injured people. There's another guy who broke his leg, mm-hmm. and we had a great time jogging slow together. And then once he healed up, though, <laughs> like we never <laughs> talked again. Uh, so, that's yeah. I need. I need those. I need. I'm afraid of my limits mm-hmm. being too limiting. That's a fear of mine. Yeah, it's a phobia. Got to get over that. And a lot of people, particularly thoughtful people, particularly people. Who read the news or watch the news, particularly people who who consider themselves educated, mm-hmm. have a fear that the world itself is ending. Yeah, you know, like we we have we're recorded on we're recording on the pod talking for hours upon hours about ways we can we can survive in the upcoming mass extinction, mm-hmm. and and so I've I've got this quiz okay that I feel like might help our fears. I, Let's do it. I found it on the internet. Not, I didn't find it on the internet. I found it in a book. So it's even better. All right, so I got this quiz. Yeah. And it's and it's in this book by a man I feel like you'd appreciate. He's a global health professor from, like, Switzerland or Sweden, one of the two. Okay. I'm, I always confuse Switzerland and Sweden. <laughs> I don't know. They, they're pretty similar, aren't they? Kind of? Uh, Are they close to each other? They're both in Europe. <laughs> Are they both Nordic? Sweden is Nordic. Switzerland is between uh, Italy and Germany. Oh, okay. It's between Italy and Germany. It's in the Alps. I think this is Sweden. Okay. This is the one... This is one you like. The the socialist... Yeah, the uh, socialist utopia. utopia. Yeah. This is from the socialist utopia. So, I feel like that's important. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We got... This is a quiz with uh, 13 questions. So, if you fear the number 13... Here nope. we go. Oh, well, some people might. <laughs> you better get over that fear. We're about to expose you to that shit. That's right. 13 questions. Uh, and all of these questions are concerned with the state of the world. Okay. Should I uh, tally my answers here? Or are you keeping track? Or what's I mean, going I can, on? I'll tally. I'll okay. tally. That's a good idea. So, so we can tell how good you are. Yeah. Okay. I feel, I feel like the format of this... Mm-hmm. Is we're going to answer the, or I'm going to ask you a question, and I'm going to tell you if you're right or wrong. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, each one is multiple choice, three choices. 
Question one. Mm-hmm. Are you ready? Ready. In all low-income countries across the world today, low-income countries. All of them? In all the low-income countries okay. across the world, how many girls finish primary school? A, 20%. B, 40%. Or C, 60%. I would imagine it's low. I'm okay. going to go with 20. Okay. 20%. Let's check the answer. You idiot. It was C, 60%. Really? You were off by 40%. Hmm. Off by 40%. I'll write that down. Wrong. <laughs> idiot. <laughs> I die out. I die out. Question number two, Ian Dixon. Yeah. Ian Dixon. <laughs> Where does the majority of the world's population live? A, low-income countries, B, middle-income countries, and Mm -hmm. C, I bet you guessed it, high-income countries. What are the cutoffs for each of those designations? Uh, Great question. (laughs) 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 And that's it? That's all I'm going to (laughs) offer? Because most of the world's population, I want to say, is in Southeast Asia. It's like India and China have like the largest... Well, and I guess Japan, so Asia. But those are... Well, I mean, India is not like a, a high-income country, I don't think. But Japan and China have pretty pretty boisterous incomes. Boisterous GDP, GDPs. So if we're, if we're going by GDP, I'm going to say high. Okay. Uh, let's see. So C? C, high. Wrong again, Ian Dixon. It was B, middle income. Okay. Most are in the middle income countries. Maybe if I had better uh, information about how we define those terms. A quiz like this, I've read the stats on who, like the score yeah. people get. It might be good to fail. What is <laughs> what, am, what is this supposed to determine? What this determines uh, is it determines people's up-to-dateness. Mm-hmm. Because apparently what this book was written about and the reason he wrote this book mm-hmm. was because he saw like an epidemic where people were keep, were being taught and uh, a lot of education, a lot of books being published, a lot of a lot of journalists uh, spitting spitting truth, mm-hmm. all about information that hasn't been updated since 1965. I believe that. So, like this 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 the Swedish socialist utopian uh, professor, mm-hmm. he he made it his mission to update everybody. Okay. On on the state of the world. Yeah. And how it's progressed. Or degressed, as you'll see. In the last 20 years, question three, the proportion of the world population living in extreme poverty has doubled, remains about the same, or halved? Extreme poverty. Mm-hmm. In the world. In the world. The, popu- the proportion of the world's population. I don't think it's gotten better. Okay. So doubled or remained more or less the same? I'm going to say, in how many years? In the last 20 years. And this was published maybe 10 years ago. So in the last 30 years. I'm going to say about the same. Okay. You idiot. (laughs) (laughs) You imbecile. I need to come up with new words of degradation. (laughs) And this is why I can't be a professor. (laughs) I can't be a teacher. I don't know. I don't know how to be good to my students. But... 
The answer is almost halved. Hmm. Which is nice. Yeah. You know, when you think about it. Extreme poverty. And he uses the World Bank data, by the way. World Bank and uh, what's the one where all the nations get together and they're like, let's not fight? UN? That's it. He uses those two things. Okay. We've got ten more questions. I have faith that, well, so far you've got zero. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and he uses the uh, example of comparing people who take this test mm-hmm. to, to chimpanzees taking the test. And people and generally do worse yeah. than chimpanzees. Okay. So, so far, a chimpanzee is smarter than you, Ian, as yeah. I feel. That's par for the course. <laughs> <laughs> chimpanzees are crazy, man. They're like huge fucking creatures, pure muscle, and totally vicious. I mm. saw the world's most disgusting chimpanzee video in the world. <laughs> the world's most disgusting chimpanzee video in the world the other day. It, let me just tell you, it concerned the frog and a chimpanzee. Leave it at that. Used it as a flashlight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Okay, question four. What is the life expectancy of the world today? Of the world? Yeah, the life expectancy, so the average life expectancy across the world. Uh, A, 50 years. B, 60. C, 70. Uh, I'm going to say 70. Okay. 60 or 70. Finally. Ding, ding, ding. You got a correct answer. Hey. Like, uh, you're slightly dumber than a chimpanzee now. (laughs) Not completely idiotic compared to a chimpanzee. Let's see here. Okay, so we got that right. And you're kind of catching on to the the gist of this test. Mm-hmm. So let's see let's see if it continues. There are 2 billion children in the world today, yep. aged 0 to 15 years. How many children will there be in the year 2100? So, say 80 years from now, according to the United Nations. Okay. Uh, currently there's 2 billion. 2 billion now. 2 billion. Uh, A, 4 billion. B, 3 billion, or C, remaining the same at 2 billion? 3. 3. Let's see. So you're going to say an increase, but not the most dramatic increase available. Right. And that was 5. Wrong again. <laughs> it is C. It is remaining constant. Really? Really. He's got all the... It's a whole book after this that explains all this shit. Okay. I mean, I know millennials are not having kids at the rate that our parents did. Right, I'm not. I'm. I'm not having kids. I'm not creating yeah. progeny, unless it's a robot. And the sun's probably going to murder a lot of us off. Right, like <laughs> where's the sun in this equation, Mister Swede Man? Right, yeah, Mister Socialist Utopia. Did you put sunscreen on? <laughs> Jesus. Okay, so the UN predicts that by 2100, same year, the world population will have increased by another four billion people. That's okay. So the world's going to increase. We're all correct. It's going to have more population by 4 billion. What is the main reason? There will be more children. We know that's wrong. Mm -hmm. There will be more adults, 15 to 74, and there will be more uh, elderly folk, 75 and older. Where is that that 4 billion people coming from? Elderly. We're living longer. Let's see. Wrong. More adults, Hmm. 15 to 74. Okay. More, so more productive people. 15 to 74. That's such a huge range. That is a pretty big range. Like, what, are they all 73? <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's, let's, get, let's get going on our... Wrong. Let's get going on our um, 
trip through this totally humiliating test. Yeah. Number seven. How did the number of deaths per year from natural disasters change over the last hundred years? Doubled? Same? Half? Less than half? Half and less than half being the same. I'm going to say there's been fewer. So halved. Okay. Even though there, it seems like there's a lot of natural disasters, I think we have better infrastructure in general. Correct. That's two out of seven so far. Is that insane, though? These are yeah. all just facts. It's all just shit that's happened. Mm-hmm. That's why I like this book a lot. And to be fair, a lot of my Facebook arguments use a lot of these facts. Yeah. Because it catches people off guard. <laughs> <laughs> Number eight. There are roughly seven billion people in the world today. Mm-hmm. Oh, this one's kind of hard to do. Um, which map shows best where they live? The one where most people live in Asia kind of area? The one where... More people live in Asia, but a lot, but a little bit more live in Africa compared to Europe and America, or the one where the Americas have a little bit more people. So, who, so is it all in Asia? Does or is there an equal amount? Is it all in Asia with an equal amount, basically in Europe, America, and Africa, or is it in Asia with a little bit more in Africa, or is it in Asia with a little bit more in America? Like the Americas, like the entire Western kind of thing. Mm. This one's kind of a shitty question. That's a tough one. Mm-hmm. This is not a pod-worthy question. <laughs> what was the first one? Uh, mostly in Asia. So, like, there's four billion in Asia and one billion in each the Americas, Africa, and Europe, respectively. And then two was like uh, three billion in Asia, two billion in the Africas. Uh, and C was $3 billion in Asia and $2 billion in the Americas. I'm going to go with B. Wrong again. <laughs> Mostly in, it is $4 billion in Asia. I don't know what that's trying to prove. Anyway, how many of the world's one-year-old children today have been vaccinated against some disease? Keep in mind, there's people like your buddy from the Facebook comments <laughs> out there going anti-vax. How many billion kids? Uh, how many of the world's one-year-old children today have been vaccinated? 20%, 50%, or 80%? Number nine. I hope it's 80. You hope it's 80. You think it is? I wouldn't be surprised if it was 50. You wouldn't be surprised if it was 50, but you're going to go for 80 just for optimism's sake? Yeah. Well, you're right. Hey. That's three correct out of nine. What up? That's 33%. That's 33%. You're on par with the chimpanzee. <laughs> <sighs> Monkeys. Uh, don't give him a frog. Worldwide, 30-year-old men have spent 10 years in school on average. Worldwide. How many years have women of the same age spent in school? Nine years, six years, or three years? Nine. That's correct. You're better than a monkey. Hey. Finally. It took you 10 questions, but you finally proved your worth against a chimpanzee. How's that feel? Feels good. Just like these opposable thumbs. Yeah. Yeah, you're you're giving a thumbs up. Suck it, chimps. Thumbs down to the chimps. Yeah, do this, you idiot. (laughs) Stupid animals. In 1996, tigers, giant pandas, black rhinos were all listed as endangered. Today, how many of these species are critically endangered? Two, one, or zero? What were the animals? Tigers, giant pandas, Mm -hmm. black rhinos. I have to go with two. 
I feel like pandas may have made a comeback, but I know rhinos are on the verge of extinction. Black rhinos are on the verge of extinction. I don't know that tigers have made much of a, a bounce back. I don't think so. Wrong again, Ian Dixon. Yeah. Apparently, none of those are, not, are endangered anymore. Really? That's what he says. It's Swedish. Okay. He's got a book out. I'll tell you guys the title of the book after this. Well, that's good to know. Yeah. Let's go kill some tigers. <laughs> I want a good rug. <laughs> Them fucking fur coats are swanky. <laughs> I saw a picture of a fat tiger earlier. Yeah? It was actually kind of sad. It was like a balloonish tiger, apparently in China. How in the world... It was in captivity, but like how in the world do you overfeed a tiger? Don't they eat like hundreds of pounds just being a tiger? Like just I, like I laying around being a tiger, they need like hundreds of pounds of meat? I guess if they're in captivity, they don't have to like really work for the hunt maybe I don't know. true but like even then like you know our baseline caloric thing is like 1800 2000 calories mm-hmm. or something just to exist right and but so a tiger's got to be a lot more than that because it's a massive creature with the heart that pumps and, and, and muscles that work yeah but i mean in the wild they don't eat as frequently as we do that's true but how do you get an obese tiger i don't know I mean that's got to be expensive. <laughs> that's 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 the that's the one thing I looked saw when I saw that. I was like, wow, yeah. that's got to be expensive to make a tiger fat. <laughs> I don't know. Ask Kyle. Too much frosted flakes. How many people in the world have some access to electricity? Twenty percent, fifty percent, eighty percent. Eighty percent. That is probably correct. Let's see. Twelve. That's correct. And the last question. So you're doing good, kind of. <laughs> Uh, what, 25%? Four You're out doing of 12? One, two, three. Oh, 33 still. One, two, three, four. Wait a minute. Five was wrong. I got four right. You got four right. You got seven. Out of 12, that's a third. One, two, three, four. You got five out of 12. Actually. Oh, hey. You're doing better than Chimp. What up? Okay, so global climate experts believe that over the next hundred years, the average temperature will get warmer, remain the same, or get colder. Warmer. That's correct. It was a little trick question. <laughs> so, yes, we are... So, you are a smart motherfucker, dude. Six out of 13. That's almost half. You are... I almost passed. <laughs> you do better than most people. Hey. Like, I like I, I went in... Like, I, I bought this book with an agenda. So, I knew that it was going to go a certain way. The title of this book is Factfulness, 10 Reasons We're Wrong About the World and Why Things Are Better Than You Think. By Hans Rosling. I told you he was Swedish. His name's Hans. Okay. So you did really good. And like I thought it would be good to bring it up mm-hmm. uh, real quick on Scottcast because Scottcast is all about fear. Well, to this episode's all about fear. Yeah. And particularly fear of the end of the world. But apparently, instead of fearing everything, we should just focus on building our mole society. Yeah, which makes sense. I guess I'm kind of an optimist. You, you, yeah, you're actually very much an optimist compared to all the chimpanzees and Swedish people that took this test. <laughs> because the guy was writing and he was saying that uh, the majority of people across professions, mm-hmm. journalists, professors, etc., like that, uh, uh, scored worse than chimpanzee. Yeah, because all those questions are set up to go for uh, set world beliefs, mm-hmm. 
And then he takes the data and he shows the data. And apparently the dichotomy between a developed nation and a developing nation no longer exists. Yeah. There's no more gap. Like it's there's like where it used to be, like in sixty five you had a developing nation and like their healthcare education was all on the bottom of the graph. Nowadays it's more like it's more like a it's it's more of a gradual turn into it. Yeah, we're we're uh, a globalized society. Everything's spread everywhere. Yeah, he pointed out three shithole countries: mm-hmm. uh, Afghanistan mm-hmm. and two other ones. <laughs> <laughs> and I think right now, like this book's out of date. Yeah, but like Venezuela is probably a shithole country. Yeah, because they're experiencing hyperinflation. And they've got some horrific uh, violence going on. Yeah, so that's yeah. a shithole. And then these, these, the, these other, those other three are shitholes. But really, shithole country is not what it used to be. Mm-hmm. And anybody who says that they're shithole countries <clears throat> <laughs> is probably not understanding what they're talking about. Agreed. So, so I thought I thought I'd include that in our fear episode so yeah. that people won't fear society or life so much or fear the future as as much or misplaced fear i mean that's you got to recognize progress it's it's about yeah it's about like how we're doing right now Mm -hmm. and what we have access to but i I don't know that 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 uh, fear of the end of the world is like that negates that i think we're still on a path to destruction in what way like mostly with the environment yeah because that was the one that was largely yes i think we're we're not on a good path in that way and we it it's too late to reverse that's why we're gonna offer shovels in the Scottcast store correct (laughs) shovels shovels and uh and uh bunker material but i don't know i don't think that's a fear of mine actually i think i have a uh a radical acceptance of that what does that mean like, like you're like, well, the world's ending, but eh, fuck it. There's nothing I can do. It's not worth worrying about. Come what may. Yeah. Why not? I like that. We watched Monkey Bone. We did. <laughs> <laughs> that had a lot to do with fear. It did. <laughs> Monkey Bone and Lady Terminator. We had a double feature after he got back from Toronto. Mm-hmm. And that was a wonderful time. Uh, I think both of those films are pretty predicated on fear. Yeah, like Lady Terminator is fear of a cohesive plot. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say fear of castration. Fear of castration. Also that, I guess so. Cause like, there was a lot of dicks getting shot off and yeah, her main, bit off. And, yeah. It's not really bit off, though, was well, it? There was, I don't know. There was a snake in there. They, they, I, they dismembered. A lot of dismemberment. Like... Uh, like the Lady Terminator, what happened with this film? As you were explaining to me, uh, this this guy was making a sea witch film, and then yeah. the Terminator movies came out, and he was like, "Let's capitalize on this." <laughs> right. And ninety percent of the scenes are shot for shot remakes of scenes you'd see in Terminator. Right. But with this weird sea witch thing in the, behind it. Yeah. And so the beginning of the movie starts with. Uh, the sea witch you it was know, like a softcore a, porn basically doing a little sea witchy shit you yeah. know like she invited some uh, Lothario over uh, and started getting busy and then in the midst of busyness and, and, and in the midst of coital excitement uh, she Just spurts of blood from from his nether regions yeah the idea being uh, the penis was cut off 
Yeah. By the by the by the vagina. Yep. So, and then she does this a few times, but... Uh, and then, it gets weirder from there. Yeah, <laughs> it gets weirder from there. She does it a few times, like she ends up uh, embodying uh, some lady from the 80s. Yep. Uh, an anthropologist. She made that clear she several made it times. Very clear. She's not a lady, she's an anthropologist, <laughs> I apologize. Uh, and... She embodies. She just takes over this person. Mm-hmm. You never hear it's from a little, this person like, again. Uh, animated snake creature kind of crawls up her. Yeah, it's like a yeah, an animated snake creature that seems to be what the sea queen is. Crawls up her, inhabits her, and the reason why she's on this death vengeance thing is very lightly asserted at the beginning uh like her husband as a sea queen her sea queen husband in the castle was like hey you shouldn't bring people over to kill them and then she was like fuck you i'm gonna do it and i'm gonna kill your granddaughter (laughs) (laughs) you know what an easy way to kill a granddaughter that doesn't involve time travel killing him that or just not not procreating not procreating with the man yeah (laughs) Just saying, no children for you. Yeah, if you're married, you know. And he seems to be the kind of guy that was like all, all for not fornicating around because he had his wife who was fornicating around, killing people. Well, and he was pretty accepting of it, you know. And so it seems like he was possibly someone in a relationship, the relationship who was, I would say, on the lower end of the power spectrum. Like there's a bit of a dominance on the Sea Queen's part. I don't know. Maybe it was an open relationship. We didn't really get a lot of uh, insight into that. He doesn't kill his ladies? Presumably not. I don't know. He had a problem with her killing the guys, but... uh, It wasn't... Like, wasn't his daughter, though, look just like the Sea Queen? It was a different actress. Was it? Yeah. Look, I thought it was the same actress. No. Oh, okay. So maybe maybe it was just a different daughter. But, like, why why is she married? Why is he... I don't understand their relationship at all. I don't think that was uh, something that the producers worried too much about. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> I had about five seconds of screen time. Um, and that was a fun movie, kind of. Yeah. I was but, probably more excited about it than you were. Like, what excites you about these movies? It was a lot of, it was a lot of working your way through to the action scene. Just the ridiculousness of it. A lot of, like, lot of dick shots. Well, uh... Not, not like shots of a penis, but it's like like someone would shoot a penis with a with a with a weapon with an assault rifle. Yes. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know. Maybe there was a, a Freudian element because that's kind of all of like Freud's uh, theories were kind of predicated on this fear of castration, and that's where like penis envy comes from. Is that like ladies in their biology or? castrated quote-unquote and so they want to they want this this power of the cock i don't know cock power yeah and so maybe that that imagery just gave me the giggles because i'm like a freud nerd that that, i mean that would make a lot of sense (laughs) so as a freud nerd what did you make of monkey bone monkey bone i really liked like the first act like the first 30 minutes Mm. I was I got drawn in. There was a lot of dream imagery. It was kind of dark. It was almost like a Tim Burton kind of thing. Yeah, I was, yeah. I was digging that. And then it turned into like just a schlocky like '90s SNL comedy, and it was kind of lame. It did. It did. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. That 
like the best parts of Monkey Bone are all the animated aspects of it. Mm-hmm. Like, cause a lot of it, like I can tell that there's computer and practical, yeah. but you can't tell where the where the line is. Yeah, the, the the effects were impressive for the time. Right, it was a beautiful, beautifully shot thing. Like a lot of Dali inspired mm-hmm. uh, dream surrealism. Yeah, and it maybe I just like really like dream imagery. Everyone loves dream imagery. I had a dream recently. Yeah. Uh, I was flying. Like, just last night, mm-hmm. I dreamed I learned how to fly, and, like, everybody had superpowers. And I decided to learn how to fly. And I so I was flying around. It was a Superman kind of flying. Like, okay. not flapping wings. Like, and, arm, arm ahead with the fists and, like... The fists weren't necessary. Okay. Like, like the, the point was, like, I wasn't... Uh, the point was I wasn't, like flapping wings and soaring in that way right but i was rather just like kind of floating ascending and and like shooting like a jet yeah um and they say that when you have dreams of flying that the point of it is you're you're leaving something behind Mm -hmm. or you're experiencing new freedom Mm -hmm. or you've reached a new height okay in your life which is good because we're moving Scottcast headquarters soon. That's right. You think that's it? That could be it. You think? Do you believe in dream imagery? Uh, to an extent. What extent? I think. Well, I know that uh, sleep is important for like memory. So when you're entering REM sleep, that's kind of how you process things that have happened, and that that has a lot to do with like long-term memory mm-hmm. production. Mm-hmm. Some of those things, the weird stuff, the dream stuff, is hypothetically uh, your ego kind of monitoring and censoring things that the id may be doing. So that's why, like, there's suggestions about, like, phallic symbols and, like, symbology in dreams. Why does it always go back to dicks? (laughs) Because... I don't know. Like, why can't things symbolize? Isn't just it all things? just about dicks? I guess so. <laughs> like, if I have to say that that, that 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 there's a dick power in the world, it's just it's that people with dicks mm-hmm. ascribe way too much meaning to their dick, like John Updike type, yeah, type worship of their own penis. And maybe we should just calm down on it. It's just a it's just a flappy noodle. <laughs> That's all it is. Flappy noodle that that does the opposite of a noodle in boiled water. I'm saying. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. That's that's the theory. Like I said, I, there's uh that part of it is not well established, but I think there is something to the idea that like our subconscious um that's kind of where it comes out in our dreams and we don't always make good sense of it. Maybe we attribute it to our dicks when it's really about something else. Yeah. Just because you wake up and there it is. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't mean that's what the dream was about. But, yeah, that, that process of of deep sleep, of restful sleep, of, our, of like, REM is important to our psychological well-being, to our, our memory and uh, cognitive functioning. Don't people, if they don't sleep, they start hallucinating? Like, they make that REM... After a certain air. period, yeah. Like, like that comes out, and, like, the people... Like, I remember there's this guy, like, his big... You know, his big accomplishment in life he wanted to do was he wanted to be... It was a lot like a Scottcast thing. Uh, he wanted to have the world's longest broadcast, radio broadcast. Mm-hmm. And so he started 
broadcasting and it became like a big thing in the sleep study community because it was a it was it was basically a running commentary for 24 or 48 hours or some odd time yeah on what it's like to be to have no sleep <laughs> and like he was like he started hallucinating and mm-hmm. seeing like bugs crawling over him stuff like that yeah sleep's important it is and with that i'm sure many of our scott castigators are about ready to turn off the lights <laughs> set their alarms and go to sleep because I hear a lot of Scott Castigators like to listen to Scott Cast at night. Yeah. It's a night podcast for them. I thought it would be a day podcast for people, but no, it's a night podcast yeah. for a lot of people. We should do more ASMR. We should do some ASMR a little bit later. Maybe some bonus pods of ASMR readings mm-hmm. between me and Ian. That will be great. Yeah. and There's a lot more uh, Jurassic Park fanfic to, to get, our, get through that. There's, a, there's so much. <laughs> Plenty of content. So, with this, I hope people's fears... I, I hope people have a good grasp on what fear is in their life now. After this conversation, after partaking in this Scott Cast episode. The fear of Scott Cast, if it were. Oh, did we have any, uh, like, take-home conclusions about... Seems like uh, you should just stop, stop I mean, worrying and, like... Yeah. Start living. Yeah. Look at, uh, look at the bright side. Even if you can't pronounce things... Yeah, you're. Uh, you might be a thoughtful fella. Yeah, just because there's a weakness doesn't mean there's not a corresponding strength to dig into. Absolutely. And with that, and if not, you can always dig a hole and yeah, and live in it. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're doing. <laughs> Please join us in our hole, the Scottcast hole, and the new headquarters in Hamtramck. It's all in Hamtramck still, by the way. And with that, <laughs> I bid the adieu. Adieu. Adieu.